0: Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline. I'm Siobhan Hunt and joining me in the studio as she does every week is Mother Craft Nurse, Chris Minogue. Hello, Chris. Hi. So every week here on Kindling Helpline, Chris takes your parenting questions from pregnancy and bringing baby home to toilet training, understanding tantrums, you name it, she can help you. If you're listening back via the Kindling Conversation podcast, you can shoot us an email for next week's helpline at conversation at kindling.com.au. Chris, Chris, let's start with uh, a message we have from on email from Susie. She has, says, "My fourteen-month-old has always fought sleep and sleeps a little less than the recommended average. She'll sleep from eight pm till seven am, waking at least twice during the night. During the day, she's down to just one nap at around twelve thirty pm. She goes to childcare three days a week and is is with her grandparents one day a week." On those four days, she'll happily sleep for one and a half to two hours, but when she's at home, I can barely get 30 minutes out of her unless she's sleeping on me. She's no good at self-settling, but I do try and leave her for five minutes before going to get her. Sometimes I can resettle her, usually on the boob, but I'm lucky to get her sleeping for another 30 minutes before she's up again. How can I get her to have a proper nap at home when I know she can do it
1: elsewhere? I think that this question is more common Than we hear um, about what the baby will do for the parents versus what it'll do at daycare or what it'll do for grandparents. And I think when we sit down and pull the behaviour apart and what our expectation is, is that the parents subtly do something different. So usually with grandparents, they sort of have an approach of, it's time for sleep, you're going to sleep, because that's how they brought their own children up. Same with daycare, you know, pat, 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 I've got another child to go to, you need to work it out. And what happens when they come home to the parents, they get a different message. And that could be a long-term message. You know, it's always been there. And it could also be the fact that for four days of the week, you don't see your child. And on the fifth day, you want to give it a lot more comfort. So I think the first takeaway message here is that she can do it. You've got to give her the chance to do it. So even she is sleeping really well for them at night. And she's actually doing really well in timing. So I think all she's doing is getting a different message from you than what happens with her grandparents and daycare. And even if she only did an hour and a half for you, she'd still be doing well. So I think it's more that when you said you only get half an hour but you can get an hour and a half or two hours on you, sometimes when she doesn't settle, I give her a breastfeed, she's getting a slightly different message each time and she needs a consistent message in order to learn that that's the expectation of the behaviour that you're looking for for from her. So I think what you have to do is maybe talk to your parents and to the daycare and ask them what they do and then set yourself aside a few days and be consistent with what you uh, the approach is to putting her to sleep and resettling her and see if that starts to work because if she can do it for four days, she can do it for seven so rest assured that it's just a subtle change that you're doing but you're inadvertently giving her a mixed message and she's just learnt that that person over there will breastfeed me and that person over there will cuddle me and those people over there they don't so I go to sleep and then bring it into line and I'm sure she'll be able to extend her sleep Good luck, Susie.
0: Uh, We have a question from Catherine. What's the best way to help a four-year-old stop biting his peers when he doesn't get his way? Wow. Only does it to other children and usually when he's trying to tell them or teach them something and they refuse to follow his
1: instructions and or advice. I have to say that a four-year-old biting is an unusual behaviour. Two-year-old, pretty much they're biting, hitting or kicking. But a four year old. So, somewhere we need to give him the idea that he can use words. And we probably need to do a lot of role playing as in um, standing by him. So when he's waiting for his turn to go up the slippery dip and he has to wait for two kids to go first, that he doesn't launch at them and bite them because he's not getting what he needs. And I, with, with the four-year-old, would do gentle reminders. We're going to the park. We have to wait our turn. We don't use – we don't bite people. You need to use your words. And see if that subtly changes his behaviour and I suspect it will but you might have to be hovering near him to distract him out of the behaviour. That's actually what we do with two-year-olds so I'm hoping that that would work with four-year-olds and four-year-olds have a lot better cognitive behaviour than obviously a two-year-old does. So make sure that the uh, the punishment meets the crime. So if he bit someone at the park, I would just take him home straight away. Like, I'd have a zero tolerance for it as a four-year-old's level and see if that changes the behaviour. You don't have to yell, shout, scream. You just say, if you bite, we are going home. If you bite at home, we won't have a story tonight, but I'll give you a cuddle. He probably needs that sort of boundary to see if that might help him regulate the behaviour of biting over using language.
0: That's uh, for Catherine. Catherine, we hope that helps. Jessica has two-year-old twins one of my twins has started waking during the night screaming after sleeping through from a few months. He won't settle until I get in his bed and take him or take him to mine. How do I stop
1: it? I think it's just a behavior. So it doesn't say how old he is as a two year old, but oh. it does sound like he's in a bed, doesn't it? Uh, as opposed to a cot. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, she'd be very uncomfortable. <laughs> but <laughs> lots of people get in. Um, so I think this one. If he calls out, like he could be calling out because he's had a nightmare or night terrors or he's got cold, you know, there could be a variant reason for why he calls out. What he's got to learn um, is that the reassurance will come in his bed. And I think what happens here, which happens with lots of twin parents, is they intervene with the behaviour of one child in the case that it wakes the other child. And you can sort of get that. Two up is worse than one up. Um, But actually, you're creating the problem because you get him out of the room quickly, obviously take him to your bed, that in turn is creating a problem. So what I would say in this case, if they're in a bed, is I'd put the other twin, the twin that's sleeping through, in another room for a few nights, so that you could be consistent with the twin who's waking, where you say, you know, I'm when he wakes up, I'm only going to come in and lay you down and pat you for a few minutes, and I'm going back to my bed. And give yourself a couple of nights to reteach him, and then put the ba- the twins back together again. So that might help you, um, but I think inadvertently he's just learned to go to your room because you didn't want to wake up up the other twin. This is Kindling
0: Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. And if you'd like to ask Chris a question about anything from weaning to toddler tantrums to twins who wake up in the night, (laughs) or a twin who wakes up in the night, you can send us an email at conversation at kindling.com.au. We've got a message here from someone who has come to us before. Mm -hmm. Dahlia says, hello there. We chatted before in regards to my 22-month-old that sleeps crying but sleeps from 7 till 7 a.m. with a two-hour nap. All of a sudden, he started refusing to sleep at night and doesn't settle till 10 p.m. I tried skipping the nap and ended up with him falling asleep at 5 p.m., which, of course, pushes his sleep till way past 7. Should I just give in and let him sleep late?
1: Uh, I I think the original timing was right. I'd be more about the behaviour than the timing, the original timing where we went down at, was it at eight? I went down at seven till seven and then had a two hour sleep in the day. I wouldn't have changed that. I think it's just the behaviour around it. You could change it to 7.30, like do his stories at seven and put him down at 7.30. But the key to this is from when he wakes up in his day sleep, he needs five to five and a half hours before he's tired enough to go to sleep. So if he's maybe sleeping till three in the afternoon, he won't be tired, Till so first look at your timing and make sure your timing is right. If you want him in bed at 7, you have to have him up by 2. So you could look at that first because then maybe just changing a few of those things will make this much better and no one has to gnash their teeth and point their finger. Um, if you've looked at the timing, so you might need to go down at half past 7 instead of um, 7.00. I think he's too young to give up his day sleep. Again, you'll get many cranky days. So then it's about changing the behaviour. Your timing's fine. So this is about what happens after he is in bed and him waking and what you're doing in response. So giving him those few minutes to try and settle, only going in, giving him a quick reassurance and and moving out of that room should have this settle down um, fairly quickly um and how long you leave him just depends on the type of crying he does so it could be a few minutes it could be five minutes depending on what he's doing but I think he's just worked out that screaming will get him out of the bed so firstly check your timing secondly then deal with the self-settling after the point of where you got the timing going right and it should settle the behavior down Good luck,
0: Dahlia. Uh, Charmaine has a two-year-old. When should you be concerned about your child potentially being colourblind? My okay. daughter is almost two and excels in other ways, but when it comes to colours, when it comes to colours, she can never seem to recognise them
1: correctly. Um. I think that's probably about a two-year-old in colours more than anything. But if it concerns, you can always have her eyes tested because they can test them at this age. So I think the answer to this is to go along to your friendly optometrist and have her eyes checked. And then I think it's just down to her ability of relearning, you know, what is red and what is yellow. So go go and have her eyes checked and I think they'll be able to help you out. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation.
0: If you'd like to ask Chris a question about anything, babies, toddlers, small children, behavioural sleeping, you name it, she can answer it, email conversation at kindling.com.au. We have a question from Carly who has a three-year-old and a two-year-old. How do I get my just-turned-three-year-old and two-year-old to sleep past 5 a.m. every morning? They don't really sleep during the day anymore, no matter what I do. They go to bed at 7 p.m. and are asleep by 7.30 p.m. I tried moving bedtime later, but they just woke up earlier. Ouch, yeah, that, that would
1: suck. That never works, putting them to bed later, so that because they get, to get too overtired and these two don't have a day's sleep, so that's not going to work. I think it's about teaching them about 5.30 isn't the time to get up. So six is reasonable. They go into bed at 7.30 or they are sleep at 7.30. And if they slept till six in the morning, try the sort of grow clocks or the coloured clocks. Um, and I think it's more about your attitude. If, if, if someone got up in my household at 5.30, I'd be just marching them straight back to bed. So I know that that's really difficult and especially on work days, but it's about the message they get. Some children don't need a lot of sleep. Um, but I would still think that that at those age groups, they could just lay there, even if they were reading a book, until the point at where you want to start the day. And I think reasonably that would be six o'clock. So I wouldn't leave them there till seven because they'll probably destroy the place. So <laughs> I think it's a tough because the two-year-old has given up the sleep and most two-year-olds wouldn't have given up the sleep. It's probably following the three-year-old, um, but yeah, I'd I'd use a grow clock and say, you know, you don't get up till it's orange or whatever version of it. I have of heard it.
0: of parents whose
1: kids just do that. They just won't leave the room. Until yeah, yeah, it's they like do. Six Mate, yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. It's like teaching them never to get off their bed when you put them in a bed. Yeah. But at five, they're still calling out saying it's morning. You're like, oh, you can get off your bed now. <laughs> this question
0: comes from <laughs> Harriet. I'm after some advice on feeding feeding my just-turned-one-year-old daughter. She has become very difficult to feed. I put her in the high chair for breakfast, lunch and dinner. She will only eat if distracted by a book or a toy on her tray. If distracted enough, she will eat a good meal. If not, she will shut her mouth and wave her arms around so it's impossible to get any food in. Mm-hmm. I thought she might be wanting to feed herself. It seems she has no interest in holding a spoon and just throws it on the floor. And when given finger food, she just swishes it around in her mouth for a while and then spits it out. She then throws the pieces onto the floor. She's not distressed or upset at at all during meal times. She only has two bottom teeth. I had then persisted for a, a long. I had been persisting for a long time with spoon feeding her, so that I know she has had a good meal. Mm. I would offer her one book or toy after another until she's finished eating. It's like she'll only eat if she doesn't realise she is. This is super tiring and feels a little ridiculous. No <laughs> kidding, I'm with you. The only thing she will always eat is pureed fruit, and most of the time she will eat plain Greek yogurt. Yeah, my kids lived on that stuff. Mm. I feel like it's time to make a change, but I'm not am not sure what to do. Tonight, I didn't have the patience for the endless toys and just offered her one book. And when she wouldn't eat, I got her out of the ch- high chair and tried again later. She cried as soon as I put her down, but then didn't eat at all, went back in the high chair. In the end, she didn't eat anything for dinner, as I refused to give her fruit and yogurt when she wouldn't eat her main dinner. Can she be taught any rules at this age? <laughs> Should I offer... For fruit and yogurt, if she doesn't eat her main meal, what can I do to change this cycle at her age? Other details, she sleeps very well, is a happy girl, doesn't snack much if at all. She has three bottles a day of about 200 mils, Mm. but she rarely finishes any of them. I'm transitioning her at the moment from formula to cow's milk, which is going fine.
1: What are your thoughts, Chris? Oh, I think every mother out there with a one-year-old is probably empathising with you at the moment. (laughs) I think you're doing all the right things. I think you've just created a pattern where she thinks playing is what we do with food. So I think keep stick to your pattern. That seems right. Three meals. Take away the snacks. So give her some water if she needs it. But I think she's got into a habit that knows that the fruit and the yogurt's coming. And this is really typical. So she plays with the real food and she's waiting for the treat. As I try and tell people that, you know, yogurt and fruit, pureed fruit is not a food source. <laughs> it's just a, you know, it's a bit like saying here's ice cream. So now we're there, we've got to get out of it. I think you're now doing the right thing. So I think if you feed her regularly um, and you have a good regular time, so if you, if you it depends whether you giving her a bottle when she first wakes up, but a bottle when she first wakes up about an hour, an hour and a half later, um, offering her some breakfast, I would not offer her snacks. I'd give her a drink mid-morning and then I'd do her lunch about 11.30, 12 instead of the 12, 12.30 12, because she might get over-hungry at that point. Then she's got a bottle before she goes down, and then I'd feed her her dinner between at this point between four thirty and five. She should be able to do later than that, but you know, at this point, I'd do it there. The next thing is, I wouldn't expect her to feed herself with a spoon, but I would expect that she would be able to do some finger food. So, for breakfast, they often need some help with their wheat bix. She could have make sure you mix it up, so she could have toast, she could have eggs, that type of thing. Lunch sandwiches, some grated things, you know, things that she can pick up texturally. Give yourself a time frame. um, So about 20 minutes to half an hour. And then the other thing is don't put the whole meal down in front of her. Just put one or two things. So say it's lunch and you've got a little sandwich, some grated cheese and some cucumber sticks. I'd only be putting one or two things down with her. And I think it's right. I would take the distractive toys away. She has learned how to eat by being distracted. So if you hold your breath and go with this a little bit, it will change itself around. And I think you're doing the right thing. If you've given her five minutes and she's just throwing the food around, pop her on the floor, give her five or 10 minutes, and then pop her back in and see if she'll eat again. And if she doesn't, then move on to the next meal. She's taking 600 mils of milk in the day. So she is full. So the only other thing I would do is cut the first two bottles down to about 150 to make her hungry for the meals as well. So she's not going to fade away. She gets more than half a litre of milk a day, Um, but I would put those little boundaries around it. So holding there... And stay with your thought patterns because you're thinking the right way and give it a little bit of time and I'm sure she will change her behaviour. We've
0: got our fingers crossed for you Harriet. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. She's had over 30 years experience helping families and she's here just to help you. So if you have a question you'd like to ask her, send your email to conversation at kindling.com.au We have a question from Lucretia. She has a three year old granddaughter. My granddaughter says a lot of bad words, and because she hears it from her mother, what can I do as a grandma besides, uh, you know, she's only three, so I can't spank or hit her. What can I do to help her not swear?
1: No, you can't spank or hit her. And it's a tough one, because if her mother's using that language, it's what she hears all the time. So I suppose the only way you could go around this is teaching her about words that she's allowed to use in at your place and words that you don't want to hear at your place and each time she says that word try not to pick all the words all at once pick pick one or two then just give her a little bit of time out and then gently go over to her and say we do not use that word in our house and make her depends how how good her language is but make her own it a little bit so maybe say why did nana put you on the chair and she might say something innocent like using bad words so that you see that she's connecting the two things together, but it isn't, it's is—it's going to be tough because it's actually probably her primary language source is her parents. So I think what you have to teach her is boundaries around the behaviour that's acceptable at your house. And she's three, she can do it.
0: Mm. Yeah, My kids definitely know what yeah, they can get they away know. with at Nanny yeah. and Pop's house and what they can't. Not, yeah. They get away with more than not. But anyway, uh, (laughs) that's fine by me. Uh, Vicky says, my 22-month-old has been a thumbsucker since being a newborn, basically, and never took to dummies. Do you have any suggestions on how to break the habit? She recently had grommets inserted, and I assumed it was to help with discomfort. Now it's just a bad habit.
1: Yeah, it is a habit. It's a gen. Some people say it's genetic when they suck their suck their thumb. The only way it's going to end is their maturity, and honestly, they don't mature into the understanding of not doing it till they're four or five. So I think the only thing you can do at the moment is tell them appropriate places where you want them to suck their thumb, like in bed. You can suck your thumb in bed. Um, you can suck your thumb at home. And I think the biggest problem that parents are worried about is the hygiene of sucking the thumb, let alone the dental that could long-term happen. But there needs to be a level of maturity within the child to actually understand. And often I find that they do that between four and five because their hands are busy all the time. Like they might be drawing or colouring in or doing craft all the time or building and they literally forget to suck their thumb Um, so I think you're going to have to wait this one out and wait for maturity to come but you could put some gentle boundaries around where you feel it's appropriate to suck their thumb. This question comes
0: from Wendy. She says, do you have any ideas about my four-year-old who has regressed with toilet training? They're wetting the bed three or four nights a week despite toileting her before she goes to bed and taking her half-asleep at around 10 or 11 when we go to bed where she does a very big wee. She will also go to the toilet during the day but often wets on the floor at the toilet. She has no She's had no issues for probably 18 months but the last few weeks have been a different story.
1: I think this one is really tough because generally, you know, you might have a night bedwetter and they've been perfectly fine in the day, but it seems like she's actually gone a little bit backwards. And the most common thing is stress. So, say something big has changed. So, has she changed, say, teachers in her daycare room would be a big one. Changed daycares, maybe gone off to a prep school instead of a daycare. I'd have a look around her and see if there's something outside that could be causing this. So if you were just talking about the nights, I would just think, you know, she just needs a bit more maturity. She might need a little pull up on for a couple of months and then try again. But the fact that it's happening day and night, have a look at what's going on around her and see if there's something that might be making it more stressful. Maybe they've said it daycare you know we don't have accidents and that's distressing her out a little bit because everybody has an accident at some stage so have a look around what might be happening and causing this um, and then take a little bit of pressure off her so tell her that you understand she's having some accidents and mummy will help you and you just need to let mummy know and go back to toilet timing so really gentle reminders we're going to the park would you like to do a wee you know, you're going to come home from daycare. Shall we try for a wee before we go home? Just that really gentle reminders so that she's emptied her bladder a little bit more and that might help her nights. Uh, and the last thing is not to give her a big drink, you know long before she goes to bed gets a lots of people say but they want water and they go yeah but that's what the problem is so have a look at all those things that could be happening outside her world that might be influencing why she's doing it and then some gentle reminders and hopefully that'll turn it around all right our last question today is from Mary Ann do you have any tips to
0: help my eight and a half month old to crawl she does tummy time but hates using her arms
1: yeah, she'll do it in time. So don't fall into the pattern of thinking she's eight and a half months and not crawling. Some some little ones don't crawl till they're 12 months old. She, if she's on her tummy, that's the best thing you can do. If she's pushing up with her arms, if she's flapping her legs and her arms, she will get there. So she might find it easier to move by just sliding, doing that Sort of combat crawl, or even pivoting, so she keeps moving herself round and round. At eight and a half months, I wouldn't worry about it. You can't force them to crawl; it's something that develops in time. But putting her down on her stomach is definitely going to help her get there.
0: Okay, all right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your oh, time it's a today, pleasure. and thank you everyone for your questions. Don't forget to subscribe to the Kindling Conversation podcast where you can find so much more of Chris's advice about all kinds of topics. And, of course, we cover lots of other topics as well on Kindling Conversation. Chris will be back next week. And this has been Kindling Helpline. If you've got a question for Chris next time, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from.